Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. I'm Anita Rao and I'm Sandra Davidson. Uh we're so glad you guys are listening and we're also super excited to be back in the studio because it's been ages. It has really been ages since we've both been here. Yes. So yeah, lots has happened since we last were together presidential debates this week mm-hmm. you watched what are your thoughts well i did watch and my thoughts were that <laughs> it was exactly what most people would have expected it to be yeah um in some ways it was better than what people expected it to be and to be totally honest i started putting snapchat filters i was watching it on a laptop and i started putting snapchat filters on each of the candidates halfway through so i got kind of distracted but that was also a way of mitigating some of the anxiety i had about the actual yes well, the stakes as we would say very true yeah i was super jet lagged and so i watched the first like 15 minutes live and then i com- fell asleep but i had to cover it for my day job the next day so i had to rewatch the whole thing um and yeah pretty much as you would expect i was a little bit frustrated with the moderator sort of similar analysis to a lot of what we oh, heard this week oh there was a moderator yeah i know right believe it or not um <laughs> But anyways, yes, lots of election talk, lots of political talk, yes. and all of this has us thinking a lot about our democracy and what civic engagement looks like for people our age um, in this new millennia. And we have a special guest in studio tonight who can speak about that at length. Yeah, and our guest tonight is Tina Haver-Curran, who is a Raleigh-based creative and activist. And she was raised, educated, and is currently rooted in North Carolina. Um, by day, she is a marketing creative, and I don't want to say by night, but her other life is um, she spends time writing, doing social justice advocacy and activism, and somehow in the meantime has time to do long distance running and mountain climbing. So welcome to the show, Tina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. Yeah, we're super here. We're super excited to have you. And if you're a listener from North Carolina, you very well may be familiar with some of Tina's work. So uh, a couple of years ago, she and her husband started counter-protesting pro-choicers who gathered around an abortion clinic in Cary, North Carolina. And their efforts, which were called Saturday Chores, went viral, and she subsequently spent a year and a half of Saturdays showing up at this clinic, counter-protesting, and basically bringing awareness to the type of heckling and harassment women seeking reproductive health care face going into clinics like this one. Most recently, she's coordinated the Airhorn Orchestra, which is a weekly protest of House Bill 2, HB2, the bathroom bill, outside of the governor's mansion in downtown Raleigh. 
So we'd love, before we get into the stories of all of that, to talk a bit about your roots and your backstory. Um, I know you were born in Texas and then jumped to Florida and then end up in North Carolina, but tell us a bit about your early years and anything that you think was sort of a formative influence um, for the person and the ideas that you have today. Yeah, um, I was a military baby. So yeah, San Antonio, Texas is where I was born. Um, Anybody who has Air Force associations would probably recognize, oh, that means San Antonio. Um, Then we went to Florida, but I've been in Raleigh, North Carolina uh, since I was nine years old. I'm 29 now, so I definitely considered this my home. And I think uh, since I've been old enough to form memories, they've Mm -hmm. been of the South. So I definitely consider Raleigh my home. I I live um, about three blocks from the governor's mansion now, which makes doing things like the Air Horn Orchestra easier, (laughs) Um, but it's also a little bit difficult because I think being able to see the place where these things are originating on a day-to-day basis is also uh, sometimes bad for my blood pressure. Um, So I went to Broughton High School and I went to Carolina and got an English degree and just living in the South, I think watching watching the cities change, um, specifically Raleigh, downtown Raleigh, downtown Durham, um, and and also spending some time living in Carborough, I think have all contributed to my sense of definitely being interested in having a community and working to engage with that community and also working to make that community a better and more progressive place. Um, I think so many people who are who are young and in the South care very deeply about their roots here, but Often, I mean, the South has sort of a complicated history and and being from the South and feeling proud of being from the South sometimes I think comes with uh, a little bit of baggage and it comes with work to make sure that that we all um, get together and and present a new a new face of these new cities. So nothing in particular growing up other than just being being in love with where I'm from and wanting to, to make it as reflective of my personal values as I can, I think. And your path to activism was solidified in a Wake County jail cell. So can That's you tell right. us that story? Yeah. So as I as I mentioned just a moment ago, I live really close by uh, the legislature and the governor's mansion. I live in a, a neighborhood called Oakwood. So in my commute to and from work, I would pass by Moral Mondays, which was a, a big initiative that started happening, I think, in 2012. Um, that was run by primarily the NAACP out on Halifax Mall in downtown Raleigh. And I got really inspired by by joining in and just watching the messages of positivity and seeing the different types of people who were out there and just feeling like it was a small way that I could join together with like-minded people to express some of my frustration with the way the state was going at the time. So I think it was... Uh, I've been out there maybe five or six times when I decided to get arrested. Um, part of the Moral Mondays whole thing was civil disobedience, and that was really the, the thing that the news media latched onto nationally. So, you know, I, I started to realize the power of peaceful protest in that way by, by following along. Um, all of my family lives elsewhere, most of them still in Florida, some of them still in Texas. So I'm a lone wolf up here in North Carolina, and, you know, it it's interesting to hear what they see happening. So a lot of my news 
and uh, understanding of what's important here in North Carolina comes from the lens of like what's getting to Clearwater, Florida, you know, <laughs> what's getting to Dallas, Texas. And at the time during Moral Mondays, it was the arrests. That's that's what they heard about. So uh, I vowed I was engaged at the time, very soon to be married. And I vowed that as soon as my last name situation was ironed out, uh, I would get arrested because I didn't want to I didn't want to get arrested as a haver, which is now my middle name, but was originally my maiden name, and then go through legal proceedings as a current. I just thought, like, I've never never been in jail before. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't want to make this any more complicated for myself than it needs to be. So the day after returning from my honeymoon, um, this was in, in June of, I suppose it would be 2000, wow, 12? No, it would be 2012, June of 2012 at this point. Um, I I got arrested, and I was actually the first one to get arrested that evening, and I may have been the first one out. I was out of jail by like 10.05 p.m., um, and my husband picked me up with a takeout pizza, and we went <laughs> home and we caught the premiere of a show called Under the Dome, which was on like WRAL at the time. We don't have cable, but that's like my vivid memory of like <laughs> going home and watching Under the Dome and like having this strange emotional attachment to it. So yeah, that's um, that's how I got started. And when I was in that jail cell, I was surrounded by some of the most interesting and inspirational and dedicated women that I had ever met. And I hadn't been too exposed to people like that in my life before. Um, and there were several women, including a, a 94 year 94-year-old woman who had marched in the original civil rights protests, and they they challenged me in that jail cell to um, just to speak up for my people. And my people uh, in that context were, were young people, um, millennials, teenagers, young, young people, people who are just getting into... Um, being able to vote and who are active on the internet and who maybe update or change or put a filter on their their social media profile but don't show up Hmm. and I uh I don't I don't know it was just so powerful because I didn't really have an answer and I couldn't really explain what had motivated me to be there other than like I had shown up a couple times and so I made a I made a promise um in jail which I suppose (laughs) happens sometimes uh, I made a promise it in probably jail happens a lot <laughs> I think <know>. it does <laughs> I made a promise in jail that the next time I saw something that really uh that really bugged me that felt like an injustice I was I was going to say something and I was going to be present and I was going to show up so that's how it started so I'm curious about so sort of imagining you know your husband picking you up and you go home and you have a pizza and you watch a show very romantic <laughs> very, very one very romantic yes. and very millennial but also sort of contrasted with the experiences of some of the people you were witnessing mm-hmm. in jail who don't have that privilege of going home and everything sort of returns right. to normal. How do you deal with that, navigate that as you continue to put yourself out there as an activist? How do I personally? Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It is definitely, I would say, the most difficult part of what Grayson, um, my husband and I both do. Uh, I'm really, really lucky that I work my day job at a really amazing company called Myriad Media in downtown Raleigh that is, they share my values and they advocate for those values. And I had a sit down conversation with the president uh, before I decided to get arrested. And I said, you know, if I, if I do this, 
what's that going to be like for me? Mm. And he said, it's going to be awesome for you. I support it 100%. Do it. And I, so, yeah. like, it's hard to say no <laughs> at yeah. that point. Um, and that, that to me is just a, it's a bit of luck mm-hmm. and it's a bit of um, privilege that I'm in that position, but it's also carefully choosing uh, the place that I decide to work as well. Um, you know, you can, you don't have to, well, this is probably sounding a little privileged. A lot of people, if you're college educated like me, um, you're usually in a position to choose where you spend your time and who you mm-hmm. affiliate with. Um, I certainly was. I can speak for myself in that regard. So I feel very proud to be associated with them and they've been supportive of me and I know it hasn't always been easy I certainly uh, I I cause a little ruckus sometimes so I'm just so grateful to be um, be supported by a day job that continues to allow me to pay my mortgage and also supports me when they can and kind of quietly turns <laughs> uh, turns the other way when when they need to so that- when one of the things you know kind of to loop this back into broader conversations about modern political protesting Mm -hmm. you know ever since the most recent police shooting in charlotte you know you're constantly seeing people say things about things on facebook Mm -hmm. and they do say things they say a lot of things yes they do but one of the i mean i'm a white woman i have mostly white friends on facebook and a lot of times you'll either hear something very bleak about what can we do that you know i don't know what to do but you'll also see like the kind of thought pieces that are basically like here white people like Mm -hmm. we're going to do the work for you and tell you what Mm -hmm. how you might get involved with the black lives matter protest even Mm -hmm. though it's your work to figure that out right and one of the bullet points that is in every one of those that i've read is put your bodies in the street with Mm -hmm. black bodies in the street because of that tension between like who gets to go home comfortably who can interface with Mm -hmm. the justice system or law enforcement more comfortably than us and that is definitely you know, it's it's funny because I I hear from people our age sometimes like what do, what good does it do to go out in the streets? Like, aren't there better ways for us to do that? But when you think about it more broadly speaking, that's a very important component of collaborative social justice work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think I feel very strongly that I've been granted a position in this life that allows me to take those sort of chances in a way that likely won't have as intense or long-term or lasting of an impact on me if I were to, you know, I'm making your quotes here, but like get in trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm probably going to recover from it pretty, pretty well. And that is a product of a lot of things. But I think in in many parts, you know, being white and fairly middle class in America. So yeah. that's nothing I can fix or change or there's nothing wrong with that. That's who I am, but I think with that comes a certain responsibility to use uh the the privilege and the platform that is afforded to me um, simply by nature of being born this way to make sure that I can help in whatever way I can pave the way for everyone to eventually share those same uh, abilities I think 
Well, tell us more about Saturday Chores. So kind of set the scene for how you fell into that. And I mean, it it, it started one way and ended a different way. <laughs> it did. Um, so it's called Saturday Chores because we were, my husband and I uh, were literally doing chores on a Saturday morning. We were headed to a Home Depot. I had received a Home Depot gift card for my birthday, which is how that's you know, like, yeah. that's how you know you are grown, <laughs> is when you get really it's excited. It's a great gift, though, for anyone listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Grandma, thank you. I appreciated that Home Depot gift card. You probably did not appreciate what came from that Home Depot gift card, <laughs> but thank you. Um, so, yeah, we were, we were headed to a suburb called Cary. There's a big shopping center called Crossroads in between downtown Raleigh where we live. It's where I used to go see all my movies. When oh I was yeah. A child. <laughs> yeah. It's like the hangout place for teenagers. You know, there's like a Plato's closet or whatever. Yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> so we were headed to Crossroads and through that stretch of road, it's about a 10 minute drive. Um, there's a health clinic and it's a bit off the highway, but still on the pretty beaten path. And we we're just driving by and we saw a group of regular protesters outside of the health clinic, uh, probably about 9.30 on a Saturday morning, and they were all holding signs that say babies are murdered here, and they were just standing out there, like, yelling at people. And I could feel the, you know how sometimes you just feel the tension between mm. people, <laughs> just like, it gets electric, uh-huh. you know? Uh, yeah, Grayson, <laughs> we didn't even have to say anything. It was like my hands on the steering wheel just kind of tightened against the leather, and I could see him, like, itch toward the window roll-down button, and I'm like, don't you do it. <laughs> don't you yell at these people. <laughs> like, do not roll down that window. So we, we went by, and a few minutes had passed, and we didn't say anything, and then one of us just brought it up, and they're like, ah, man, like, this sucks. Mm. Like, did that did that make you angry? Yes. That, did that make you as angry as I feel like it made you? Yes. So so we talked about it, and Grayson actually was like, when we go past on the way home, we should just get a sign and, like, stand next to them and hold it up. And I'm like, okay. It's like, we should have a sign that just points at them and says, this is a weird hobby. And I was like, that's <laughs> awesome. It's true. It's totally true. Uh, so we totally did that. And Is that what the sign said? That's what the sign said, yeah. It said weird hobby, and it had an arrow, and it was pointing to one of the protesters. And, I mean, it was just like it was us on a lark, and I held the sign, and Grayson took a picture of it. And we shared it online because we're millennials and, like, that's what you do. And people just, like, people went nuts. Um, People loved it in a way that I just thought, like, my friends would laugh Mm -hmm. and be like, what are you doing? But it it took off. So we kept doing it. Um, We probably went out five or six Saturdays with different signs. Um, one of our signs said, I like turtles. Um, <laughs> we had a Jesus Slay sign, you know, just like <laughs> goofy, irreverent, sort of wacky, wacky signs. One of my favorites was Grayson holding a sign, pointing at one of these protesters who was holding a Bible and babies are murdered here in opposite hands. And Grayson, um, who's this sort of tall, bearded, wily-haired man, had a sign that said women's rights expert with an arrow pointing <laughs> at the protester. Um, Can you give me a sense of how close you are to the clinic? So, like, are you seeing people walking out oh, of the clinic? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, mm. we are directly in front of the clinic. And that was one of the things that was really, really frustrating about being out there is that they are so close mm. and they yell at people. I mean, they 
scream at people. They don't scream obscenities, but they scream like, don't murder your baby, come talk to us, like you're making a terrible choice, you'll regret this for the rest of your life, things that are really, really, Awful. really heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that uh, being out there, the story went really, really viral. Uh, that was really surreal. We hadn't planned for or anticipated that in any way, but it has been seen at this point um, every in every country around the world. Wow. Cuba was the most recent one. And it inspired protests like the same. It did, yeah. Branded the, the same, right? Like Saturday exactly, the across. same the same signs that Grace and I like made up in bed at night, like eating our pizza, talking about <laughs> what's our protest sign gonna Pizza's be next seems week. To be reoccurring it is <laughs> it is, you know, all great ideas are born yes. over pizza. That's the takeaway here. That's eat pizza. <laughs> yeah, everybody change. Eat pizza. Tell us about some of the conversations you had both with protesters and with people using the health clinic. Yeah, okay. So with the protesters, um, that was weird. <laughs> They are very intense. Uh, we're intense too, but I think we're intense and like sort of a hey, like let's like all chill out and we'll be in your face, but we'll only be in your face if you don't chill out kind of way. Mm-hmm. They're not like that. Um, they have a very strongly held belief and they will certainly defend it. Um, so it, it, it got tense at times. We. We had a lot of people who wanted to come out and participate and join us. So this movement, I guess you could say, went from just being me and Grayson just holding a sign and taking a picture and getting out of there to it being like them bussing in dozens of their people mm. and then like dozens of our people coming in. And then Seems suddenly, like a very charged situation. Suddenly it's 100 people with all of these signs and it's all Hmm. happening outside of this health clinic and people are like straight up just trying to use this place like it's a doctor's office it it was weird and and not good and we did not feel good about that unintended Hmm. consequence at all so Grayson and I you're gonna laugh at this Grace and I actually went out for pizza um, <laughs> with the, the organizers of the pro-life side. Mm. Wow. Okay, yeah. well, take we us did. to that <laughs> So they, it's really funny. If you know much about Raleigh and now at this point Durham as well, um, Lily's Pizza is yeah. a really cool pizza establishment that's been around for many, many years. They chose that, which is funny because it's kind of like a punk rock kind of gritty <laughs> yes. like very counterculture <laughs> yes. institution and we went to Lily's Pizza and it was okay mm. um it wasn't amazing but it wasn't terrible and did they say like we want you guys to leave no. or like we'll leave if you leave no. or was it like mm-hmm. a let's exchange ideas we, and discourse it was a let's get to know each other hmm. as human beings. Um, we talked about our families and we talked about our values and we talked about pizza and, <laughs> and beer and they talked about their church. And, you know, like we probably spent an hour and a half just getting to know each other. It was the two of us and, and the two leaders of the, the church um, on their side. And then I would say the next, we were there about three hours, the, the back half of the hour and a half got a little more intense mm-hmm. and, and Grace and I actually did say this is too much um, why don't we just all stop like we won't show up if you don't show up we would love to not show up mm. let's just like de-escalate the situation 
And that's not something they were interested in, unfortunately. Mm. So from there, we, we started learning about legal code. And we learned that um, we could apply for a picket permit just the same way that they do. So we were actually able to obtain a, a, a permit for the same space, effectively moving them across the street on a biweekly basis. Mm. So they couldn't, we couldn't reach any sort of official like handshake agreement over the, the pizza meeting, but we did figure out how to use our legal rights to obtain a similar sort of outcome. And how did this all end, come to a close? Well, unfortunately, <laughs> they're definitely still out there. But mm. um, Grayson and I went out for about a year and a half every Saturday morning. And we went through waves of requesting volunteers and, and backup and, and then not and trying to de-escalate. And so finally, we we were trying to figure out ways that we could solve the problem that we had unintentionally created of making this big hullabaloo outside of a place that we were trying to like Mm -hmm. take tension out of to Mm. begin with so we did a kickstarter um and we ended up raising about six thousand dollars in less than 12 hours to build 125 feet of privacy fencing in Mm. front of the clinic and landscaping as well so instead of us being there and using our bodies and our signs it's a mm-hmm. sort of human shield to make a buffer we installed a fence instead so that we didn't have to be there and we didn't have to antagonize um the other side which by the very end when we had gotten so much news coverage and they were bussing people out i mean it it became yeah it was never violent or anything but it was a little antagonistic so we were able to just put up a fence and put up some prickly trees and <laughs> walk away so it seems like humor or some kind of sort of subtle nudge as a tactic <laughs> is something that um, you do and you choose to do. I wonder how you respond to people who think that that may be some kind of shaming or, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're not taking people seriously who feel these serious beliefs. Like, how do you sort of engage with a critique that the way in which you're approaching counter-protest may be... Yeah, I guess shaming might be the best word to... You must have looked at the internet this week. <laughs> <laughs> I look at the internet every week. Yes. It's my job. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is... Um, it's it's nothing new. I, I make this joke because this question has popped up in regards to the way we uh, we conduct our activism um, just recently, and it's it's been a bit of a social media stir. But, you know, in a lot of ways, I I find that a success uh, Mm. because it means that people are paying attention and I think there are so many different ways to make change in our community and some of them are simply being supportive and enthusiastic and positive and I think there is a really important place for that but I also think that another very important way that people create change is by being critical of things that they find unjust and feeling bold and brave enough to stand up and to say, hey, like, this isn't right, and we're going to say something about it. So it has never been an easy part of what I do, yeah. but I, I think it's important to consider all of the tools and resources that you have available and also to consider what you particularly are good at and unfortunately or fortunately (laughs) uh 
both my husband and I seem to be kind of good at ribbing people. <laughs> and I, if I can use that to get somebody like the New York Times to come down to the Airhorn Orchestra and write about HB2 and write about Governor McCrory or Rolling Stone to pick up the shame mural that we had commissioned for him during Hopscotch, uh, which is a, an annual music festival. If that can be the lead in a Rolling Stone story, a political situation, and drawing attention to it, that to me is worth the criticism um, because we need to be talking about these things and simply standing idly by and saying, well, it's not so bad doesn't always get noticed Mm -hmm. yeah well that's a great preview for the second part of our conversation (laughs) so let's let's take a break (laughs) and we'll come back and talk more with tina haver kern about her work as an activist in north carolina there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to She and Her. Uh, Anita and I are in the studio tonight with Tina Haver Curran, who is an activist in Raleigh. And we've been talking a lot about her journey to activism, um, her approach to activism. And now we want to take a turn and talk about the work that you're doing now. So you've spent 20 some Wednesdays, I believe. 25. 25 blowing air horns outside of the governor's <laughs> mansion in downtown Raleigh. So tell us about this air horn orchestra. That is a ridiculous sentence. Nobody <laughs> should have ever <laughs> said that sentence like that out loud again. Um, but yeah, it's true. Um, we, so again, Grace and my husband and I, after we did Saturday chores through that process, we learned so much more than I ever anticipated about local laws and ordinances, especially as they relate to assembly and noise, because Mm. you can definitely uh, get some people to turn down their very loud microphones if they don't have a decibel meter on them, for example. Ah. Uh, So we learn the ins and outs of of the sound ordinances in, in Raleigh specifically, and HB2 happened, and it was just so appalling on so many levels that, like I said, I I live so nearby the governor's mansion that I think Grayson and I watched this happening and we just said, like, what 
can we do? What should we do? And so why don't we blow some air horns at the governor, which is anybody's natural response (laughs) to terror and crisis. Definitely would have floated to the top of my mind. (laughs) I don't, this is just, uh, we were just talking and this is the idea. Probably over pizza. (laughs) Like, let's be serious. It was probably over pizza. And this idea came up. So I could see your book, Peace and Protest, <laughs> a love story. <laughs> <laughs> it's the future novel. Uh, yeah, stick around. So um, it, that came up, and, and Grayson shared it on Facebook and said, hey, to like 20 people want to get together and blow some air horns outside of the governor's mansion next Wednesday. And many more than 20 people to our deep surprise responded in the affirmative so that was the first air horn orchestra we showed up and i would say there were probably 75 people um on jones street and we like just it's exactly what it sounds like we blew air horns at the governor's mansion and we have since blown air horns at the governor's mansion for over six months consecutively we've we've never missed a wednesday and it's um pat mccrory has since mentioned it in like multiple press conferences Hmm. there's this really incredible footage on wral where he was doing a press conference outside of the history museum it's the only time we've actually relocated the protest we got some information that he would be there and the walls would be really thin. And we have an awesome relationship with the Raleigh Police Department. I mean, they're just, they've been nothing but wonderful to us and really, really accommodating and flexible. And we asked them if we could move the protest and they issued us a permit on the spot to relocate. And <laughs> I laugh thinking about it. Um, you can watch on WRAL when Pat McCrory is sitting there answering a question sort of flubbing his way through a question defending hb2 and in his mic that's on his (laughs) shirt all of a sudden it goes (laughs) and that's us and we stayed there and we played those air horns (laughs) for the remainder of his press conference and he like he stumbles and he stutters and he says i i'm not standing out there blowing horns and he motions toward the door so it's just been it's been funny and weird and surreal but it's also been really oddly effective um the the new york times has covered it um it's reached at at last check like over 5 million people um, in the state of North Carolina on broadcast television alone. So that's not counting any sort of internet shares at all, just like local television stations picking it up. And I think if you were to, to equate that to purchasing that airtime to, you know, have a, an anti-HB2 voice, it would be something around, you know, $50,000. Hmm. So we've we've managed to again like get people's attention in the strangest way and meet some really really incredible people out there every wednesday night and we'll keep doing it hopefully we can stop doing it in november but we'll we'll be out there well we are so short on time (laughs) and i have so many questions but i what is the craziest thing that's happened to you on any of either of these protesting endeavors 
Probably lots of death threats. Oh I think my that's, God. I mean, like, how crazy do you want to get? Yeah. <laughs> it, pretty much anything you could imagine being said to me has been said to me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, having having people threaten you and your life and the life of your family, like, not only at your home, but, like, at your place of work mm. and to people who maybe don't even know you that well, That that is probably Awful. the worst that's yeah. probably the worst i don't know if that's the craziest right like, the internet it it's people can say things all, all day long uh it's certainly the most unsettling but uh it's been like i think the craziest thing is just that it works like that people keep showing up to mm. me is well, maybe more mind-boggling than anything else and it's been so inspiring and i absolutely would not be sitting here today uh if it weren't for everybody who continues to to show up and to like encourage me to do the same dang thing because i could easily sit at home and watch netflix and do nothing but i know that there are people who are going to show up and expect me to be there so i better get my ass up and be there you know well, tell us a little bit, how, how do you find balance? Because I mean, it seems like, you know, in all these narratives, it's been you and your husband there on mm-hmm. the front line. So this is obviously your professional, political, personal realms are all sort of mm-hmm. blended in one. How do you take care of yourself and how do you um, sort of come up with sort of your internal motivation? Yeah, uh, as you can, I bet it won't be a, a crazy leap to infer. I'm a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian <laughs> for 20 years now so i think eating well is is a huge part of uh feeling good i also exercise a ton um my husband and i both have started climbing mountains recently uh we're training for our fifth marathon currently that'll happen in november so i have run like 30 miles this week i'm gonna run 20 miles on saturday and it's just a thing that I do um so those are like really basic answers but I I fall on them every time like eating well and exercising can't be understated and then of course there are the things like having a a wonderful support system and sleeping Mm. (laughs) and then eating pizza (laughs) that's probably like the last secret (laughs) exercise a lot and then eat as much pizza as you can well we only have a couple of minutes left but I want to hear you tell us about come out and show them and stunts before we conclude the show absolutely so tina's latest project <laughs> uh yeah so all of this uh one thing we didn't talk about is the i guess more serious counterpoint to Airhorn orchestra which is something called north carolina needs you which was an open letter to artists encouraging them to keep their shows in north carolina rather than boycott um after bruce springsteen canceled his show in the wake of HB2 and we ended up working with bands like Duran Duran and the Mumford and Sons and Animal Collective and many many others to work with them to arrange ways to use their voice in their platform to keep their shows to keep culture and arts coming to North Carolina and also to donate a pretty significant amount of money to on the ground nonprofit organizations who are doing work um, to promote equality and combat HB2 in the state so we ended up funneling more than half a million dollars to places like Equality and C and Progress and C over the summer of 2016. And through that work, uh, a band called the Dave Matthews Band 
really wanted to a band uh, called a little a little guy named dave uh, really liked dave had a band (laughs) he liked what we were doing and it was the first time in in many years of doing these kind of things and and funneling money and resources to other people that somebody stopped and said look i get that you want us to give money to these other places and we will but how can we give money to you? Hmm. And at that time, we had to be like, well, I'm like, I don't know. I just have a bank account. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we're not a nonprofit. We're not, we're not anything. We're like two regular people who are doing this in our underwear uh, in our house. But you, you can eat pizza. <laughs> like, you can send me money if you want. I'm probably going to spend it on pizza. But, um, so we, we made an agreement at that time that they would give us a grant to incorporate a nonprofit so that the next time something like this came up we had the you know proper legal capacity to accept donations and grants and to continue doing our work so from from that we formed a, a nonprofit it's called come out and show them and it's in the IRS in processing right now we've <laughs> been working on it for about 6 months so it's a really it's a really mm-hmm. intense process but it's been so much fun we have an incredible board of directors um, of like from everywhere that like are just so much smarter than I am that I'm so excited to work with and we're doing a benefit concert in downtown Raleigh with 32 North Carolina acts um, we got King Mez coming back from California for the first time since working with Dr. Dre uh, American Aquarium, um, one of the co-founders of Merge Records is playing, Mac. It's just like Tiff Merritt. It's like going to be Sylvanesso. That's a big one I guess people like. It's going to be really, really fun, and it's a ton of super, super talented, incredible North Carolina musicians who are donating their time, um, and they're like musicians are not rich people, unfortunately. Yeah. So it's just so amazing to to work with them and to work together to raise money for for our nonprofit and a few others that are working for voter education um, and access before November. Awesome. Well, I'm going to ask a rapid fire. Your last (laughs) rapid fire question. Who are your feminist icons? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That's a tough one. Um, It can be, you know, like your mom or something. (laughs) Am I allowed to say Beyonce? Yeah. It's probably Beyonce. (laughs) Obviously, you haven't listened to the show enough. (laughs) Well, then I fit right in. Uh, that's that's like <laughs> easy knee-jerk reaction. But I I look to Beyonce all the time, like when I'm feeling down or bummed <laughs> out or like just not good about myself. And she, the way she carries herself and the messages that she sends always encourage me and inspire me and bring me up. So that's my answer right now. Love it. It's Beyonce. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. This has been awesome. Thank you for having me. Yes. And, and do you want to oh, tell people how they can find you yeah. and find your work? Yeah. So you can find the benefit at comeoutandshowthem.com. And then Airhorn Orchestra is very millennial. It's just a hashtag, <laughs> Airhorn Orchestra. That meets every Wednesday at 615 in front of the governor's mansion. And we'll be there. So come out and say hi. Awesome. And you can find us at She and Her Radio. Dot com <laughs> or Twitter and Instagram at she and her radio. She and her. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.